from Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com, it's The Relevant Podcast. It's the week of June 24th, 2011, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Maya Strang. Hey, thanks. The uh, newly shaved uh, Josh <laughs> Lewin Loveless. I don't know. I, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused. I, I, I literally walked into the studio. His back was turned to me. I thought it was an intern or somebody I hadn't met yet. So you I, shunned me. I thought so I'd I avoid, done something. I did. I, I avoided contact, and then I kind of turned the corner and noticed it was you you look completely different yeah i um I've, I've gotten that a lot recently and uh you look like your brother now yeah but there's 15 hairstyles this is what i decided i've worn a hat for almost a year i've had longer longer ish hair and there's 15 hairstyles between a shaved head and growing your hair out a little bit so I, i'm gonna go back and revisit the Start other over. 15 hairstyles that's what i would do uh what b- before i started when you were a teenager pain. no <laughs> until you like, were an adult until like a year ago yeah yeah i would i would shave my head did, and yeah. then i would grow it out and yeah. then i'd get tired of hair and then yeah. i'd shave my head and what about you chad <laughs> i just uh i pretty much have the same style i shave it once a week <laughs> that's about it. That's good. Yeah. See, I, I'm I'm just not a big fan of in between stages. That's my main reason for not shaving my head. I have I have issues with in between because of cowlicks. I have seven cowlicks on my head. <laughs> so when I have shorter hair, arches and flips and wings start happening. It's but but good thing like disheveled is still in, and you can just like don't wear a product. Just let your cowlicks do no, the work. Disheveled and McDonald's arches on the top of your head are two different things. It's it's. I have to fight my hair. I don't like it. On the Skype line uh, from Loveland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Greetings, all. I was wondering who that was. And that's uh, was our illustrious, time. illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. Uh, we have a great podcast lined up for you today. We have uh, a great artist coming up. Josh Garrels is on the podcast. And also, Josh talks to author Kyle Eidelman, whose new book is called Not a Fan. He's not a fan of Jesus, apparently. I, uh, that's not the point. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure uh, out how to uh, respond uh, to that, um, but it's, it's uh, kind of the opposite. It is. Of the it point. is the opposite mm. of the point. It's one of those books that where you're supposed to read it and go, "What? What does he mean?" Or just listen to our interview for that, <laughs> and don't buy the book. And don't buy the book. <laughs> no, Kyle. Kyle may listen to this podcast, oh. so I don't want him to believe that we're encouraging people. No, to not that's buy the book. just being sarcastic. Okay. Buy several copies of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Is this you liking something not ironically anymore? Exactly. And, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, too, uh, since the last podcast. La- last week's podcast, Jesse announced that he no longer will like things ironically. If it's Rebecca Black or if it's anything mm-hmm. else, if he likes it, he likes it. I saw somebody tweet that they quoted Jesse in this. You know, they're listening to the podcast. Obviously, they, they tweeted a quote from Jesse. And then they said, hipster boomerang. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> is that an, Was that meant to be an insult to get hipster boomerang? I don't know. Or just the fact that it was their observation yeah. that, that there's a hipster boomerang happening, that there's a, 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 re, a rebellion against irony. Well, well let, let me, let me so say confused. this. Jesse, I Jesse actually, is championing I actually it. pinpointed the moment where this happened for me. Okay. Uh, 
I was uh, a friend of mine had posted a link on my Facebook wall of Phil Collins performing "Call It in the Air Tonight." Okay, uh, feel it. You know, I can feel it calling in the air tonight. You, you guys are familiar with the song. I'm, I'm sure. Not, I'm not. Chad, can you play it for us? Uh, I, Chad, can you sing it for us? No, I, I will is, not. Do, 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 do. It's got a huge drum fill. Yeah, the, the song is patently ridiculous, okay? But I love it. I think it's I think it's sweet. I get pumped up every time I hear it. It's like a jock jam for me. So there is... I think it is a jock video, jam. Phil Collins yeah. is like on a stage with just like the Madonna headset, uh, mega church pastor Mike, okay? Is he playing drums at this point? No, no, he's standing there okay, with okay, a spotlight okay. on him. All right, where and, and the first like, I don't know, easily two minutes of the song is just him singing over a synth. Okay, so he's standing there and he begins pacing on the stage. The anticipation in the audience, which they keep cutting back to his building, right? So at one point he walks back to the drum set and sits there and you know the drum fill is coming. And then when he hits it, the do 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 The house comes out and they do cutaways to people in the audience. And of course they're going insane, right? And I was, and it went through my head like, cause I was laughing, you know? But I was thinking, like, if I was in that audience, I would be going just as insane right now. I would literally be losing my mind. <laughs> literally. Now, whether I'm doing that to be funny or whether if I'm actually losing my mind because it's so awesome, what's the difference? And that's when I realized I actually like this song, you know? And and I actually think this performance is awesome despite it being ridiculous. Well, hold on. Actually, you just said, day, what's Jesse? the difference? But what's the difference if you're in that audience and you're do- and you're acting that way to be funny, which is what you just said, or doing it because you actually think it's awesome. The person doing it to be funny is actually making fun of the people who think it's awesome. But I'd be participating in, in it. But, you know, but I in a, be, I, Even if I was like by myself, though, I think I would just be like, ah, oh, Phil Collins, he's going, I'm going nuts right now. You know, like, I just think I would just be owning that moment. Well, then you actually are liking it because if you're doing it satirically, you're mocking. Well, I think I think for me the line has been so blurred that I've decided <laughs> he doesn't even know my anymore. Ironic, my ironic love is just going to be actual love. Bring it back, man. I like it. You know, I mean, what's wrong with liking Phil Collins? You tell me. Nothing. <laughs> uh, you can't even say that statement without laughing. I don't think you're there yet. I think you want to be there. I don't think you're there. I still think you're uh, ironically liking things. It's a great drum solo. It really it is. It is a great. So. <laughs> it's actually not that great of a drum solo. But. <laughs> All right. Uh, so stay tuned. A lot of stuff is coming up uh, in this podcast. But up first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, June 28th. Uh, Jillian Welch with The Harrow and the Harvest. So is it Jillian or Gillian? <laughs> Isn't it Gillian? I don't know. I think it's Gillian this. Welch, and that's why when I said Jillian, it, it felt, felt wrong. I yeah, it was, if it were me, I would prefer Gillian. What if she married Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> Gillian Gyllenhaal. Try saying that five times fast. Someone on Facebook said was saying something about how much he loves his wife, and her name is Kelly Kelly. Ke- Kelly with an I, and then Kelly with a Y. No. Yeah. You know what? What happens if your name's Kelly and you meet a cute guy with the last name Kelly? You just say, "Sorry, it's not going to work out." I mean, you just don't go down that road. Or some people just make a conscious decision that they are going to do something. They they meet that guy and they're like, "It's on." Like I I have nowhere else to go. My whole destiny's been. You go by your middle name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know who'd be uh, also coming out? Beyonce with four. Now, it'd be really weird if Beyonce married (laughs) someone with the last name. Beyonce. Beyonce. That'd be weird. Is Beyonce her real name? Yeah. Okay. Beyonce Knowles. Beyonce Knowles. I don't know if it was a stage name. It's not Sasha Fierce. 
Yeah, whatever. Just yeah, that's know. right. I, I thought I thought Jay Z's last name was Beyonce. Now I think it's Z. Is it? I think it's Beyonce yeah, Z now. Name? Yeah, Sean Carter. I, I like Jay Z Beyonce. Yeah, no, I just I feel like she's she's the it now. Like she's the she's the main headliner, and he's like the supportive. You know, stay at home. A lot of stay at home dad. He's the stay at home. Jay Z is the stay at home dad. So that's why I'm just saying. I think it's Jay Z Beyonce. That sounds like the name <laughs> of an, a flamboyant interior designer. What? Jay Z Beyonce. Oh, Jay Z Beyonce. I feel like Jay Z as a stay at home dad with Beyonce is, is the plot of a hilarious sitcom. <laughs> well, it's a Tyler Perry film. You know that, right? <laughs> it's Ice Tea Loves Cocoa. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody w- was listening to to old podcasts, which th- th- that was a while ago. And for, for listeners that, that didn't uh, listen to it, I mistakenly, I read a news story about, I, and this was before Ice-T and Coco were all the rage, um, as they are now. I, I didn't so, know they were. Okay. <laughs> um, they, so I had read a news story about how Ice-T had been like pulled over in a car with his wife, Coco, for speeding. And I read it to say that they were taking their bullfrog to uh, the vet, to to the get, vet. For, to for knee, knee surgery, surgery. Knee surgery. Yeah. For, for a surgical uh, procedure on the bullfrog. And I thought that that was just the most insane thing I had ever read on so many levels. It turned out I, I was corrected that it was actually a bulldog. Yeah. And I repeatedly read it wrong. Maybe just because I wanted to. <laughs> like 10 times. Like yeah, you read that whole, thing 10 times. We had a whole podcast about how oh, ridiculous I mean, you ranted for 20 minutes about how hilarious it was that Ice-T, this hardcore gangster rapper, had a bullfrog. But this wasn't this wasn't surgery. figured out till the following week. Yeah, where exactly. listen, where listeners actually did their research, yeah. unlike yeah. the people bringing the slices week yeah. to week. Yeah, none of us, none of us questioned like it. The people reporting yeah. and commentating on it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so, a, a listener uh, was listening to that podcast just this last week <laughs> in in New York, and uh, and and just as he turns his head, there's this massive full wall billboard for Ice Tea Loves Cocoa, and there's a bulldog on it. And they just—they thought that the moment was just too too good, and they sent us a picture. Not a bullfrog. Yeah, there was no bullfrog <laughs> in the picture. So well, again, yeah, which was puzzling to me until I realized <laughs> once again I was mistaken. <laughs> uh, also, coming out, Thievery Corporation with Culture of Fear, uh, The Kinks with Something Else, Handsome Furs with Sound Capital, Falling Up with Your Sparkling Death Cometh. Um, Oh, interesting. Uh, our very own uh, graphic designer, Jesse Pinnico, uh, did the artwork for that album. Huh. Nice little note there, Chad. Thank you. Uh, and also, last and definitely least, Limp Biscuit coming out with <laughs> Gold Cobra. I did the artwork for that. Is that for, for that. real? <laughs> <laughs> that is for real. That Gold is not Cobra? ironic. Gold Cobra? Really? Okay. Movie releases coming out Jesus. Friday, July 1st. Uh, uh, Larry Crown, that indie film starring uh, Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah, that's cute. Yeah. I, the trailer, it doesn't seem maybe because it's an indie film, but it, seeing them in the trailer and the way it's done, it seems like there's something missing. And maybe it was. It an seems like they're reaching. 50, it? Maybe, it seems like there's they're, they're missing fifty million dollars in making the movie right, or they're trying to be indie with it, but they're, those two aren't indie. They're so, trying to be indie. Yeah, yeah can, it's a little interesting. Yeah. Can I go back to Gold Cobra just for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I think this proves a point. We're talking about earlier. If like an indie band, like like I don't know, like a really hip band, had put out an album called Gold Cobra, you know, like that was the name of mm-hmm. like the new like Fleet Foxes album. I don't think anyone would think twice about it, right? You know, I agree. 
but because but, it's, but limp I think biscuit. Because it's limp biscuit and, and limp biscuit is is, is ridiculous and, and totally unironic that <laughs> it's unacceptable it's 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 yeah. it's a laughable album name. that's true you know you were bringing you're shaping my you know this, this is brain candy things. yeah I'm just just eat it up break listeners like, what? dropping truth bombs on this podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah watch yourself <laughs> truth bombs be dropping <laughs> okay <laughs> So if you, if you think that the uh, Larry Crown indie film is reaching and you don't you're in the mood, I just you never have, imagined her and him being love interest in a movie. They're about the same generation. I mean, they? the same generation. He just seems so much older than me, than her. Well, older guys, I mean, younger girls. I guess he's about ten years older, probably. Yeah, I don't like to talk about older guys and younger girls. It just gets uncomfortable. Why is that your situation? No, no, no. I'm just saying I, it's a topic I have to stay away from. <laughs> Carry on. All right, good enough. Uh, if, if it, so if you're not in the mood for that, yeah. the other end of the spectrum is available to you that, that night. Transformers. There it is. Dark of Aww, the Moon. Yeah. Starring Shia LaBeouf. I want to see it. Yeah, I, I want to see it. I was so disappointed with uh, two, though. I loved yeah. one. One's awesome, too. Yeah, one was two awesome. is just, let's take everything good about one and do way more of it and then ruin it. Yeah. That was probably was, the plan. Two was like the remember that scene in one where they're in the yard and they're talking about like one of them has to, you know, liquidate or whatever. And it's like, you know, it, there's this running gag about one of them peeing in his yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the scene went forever. That was like the entire movie of two. <laughs> <laughs> was that scene for like two and a half hours. If the yard was on fire and right. exploded. <laughs> With lots of explosions. Yeah. Explosions. Uh, so that's your entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, slices. Need to raise money for your upcoming missions trip? Well, Razoo can help. Check out Razoo's ad in this month's issue of Relevant Magazine or go to Razoo.com to learn more. That's R-A-Z-O-O.com. You're listening to The Rapture. So that's what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Just a loud whooshing sound. Uh, and a lot of people going ah! as they fly up into the air. I thought it sounds like a train. No. Oh yeah. 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 Like choo uh, like, choo. I see that a lot with Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. Choo-choo. Just say rapture after that. Go get it. <laughs> yeah. Cohen, what's the rapture sound like? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's cute. It's yeah. cute. Yeah. Um, uh, the song is "How Deep Is Your Love." Uh, it's from their upcoming album. It's playing right now on Relevant FM. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard uh, staff favorite Sleigh Bells with the song Kids from uh, their album Treats, and it's also playing right now on Relevant FM. Uh, They are featured in the brand new edition of Relevant Magazine, the July issue, with the Civil Wars on the cover. Whoever's whoever's making music choices around here is doing a great job. It's it's a collaboration. Compliments to the chef. (laughs) Thank you. It's mainly Chad. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there you go. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? Well, uh, I found this blog. It was actually uh, a blog called Selfish Giving. It was picked up by Huffington Post. But uh, the blogger noted a new uh, campaign running at several Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants where for every half gallon 
mega jug of Pepsi that you buy for only $2.99, KFC will donate $1 to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Uh, the, the irony is this uh, half gallon of Pepsi contains 800 calories and 56 spoonfuls uh, of sugar. Yeah. Um, it so, contributes uh, to it's diabetes. Almost, it's almost guaranteeing a diabetic episode uh, if you drink the entire thing. Um, but, but of course, $1 will go to the Juvenile Diabetes uh, Research Foundation. Uh, this isn't the, the KFC's first sort of faux pas um, when it comes to making donations to health-related organizations. They, they also pulled uh, a, a campaign uh, a little while back that was called Buckets for the Cure. And you could buy a pink bucket of chicken um, and uh, several dollars or, or 50 cents. Would I be, thought would pink chicken a, uh, is dangerous. Salmonella. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. If it's a bucket yeah, of pink you, chicken. Generally, yeah, generally I think you want to stay away from the pink chicken. Okay. It's for a cause though. Oh, it's for a good cause. That's <laughs> good. Okay. It, it, it's for the cure. Actually, it's buckets for the cure. The band, which which is better than buckets for limp biscuit. Yeah, that's totally. You don't different. want to get a limp biscuit with your meal no. with your pink chicken bucket. No, no. okay. <laughs> so uh, that campaign was was actually pulled because uh, of they took a lot of criticism because of the uh, you know two thousand four hundred calories in a and one hundred sixty five one hundred sixty grams of fat in a wow. bucket of chicken details is. Is doing a lot of a uh, lot of damage. Uh, That's amazing. So, so yeah. So, so KFC, I think, needs maybe a new PR or marketing person when they're thinking about charities. To uh, it, it, it would be like them partnering with a vegetarian organization. <laughs> it, to me, it's the equivalent. Yeah, yeah. Doing a, a bottle of Coke for diabetes is just ridiculous. I mean, diabetics can't drink Coke. So you said it's a half gallon for two ninety nine. Yeah, that's not a go to deal. go to Publix or go to a supermarket and you get you get a liter. Yeah, you get two liters for ninety nine cents. It's about the, the cost. It's about the cost. And then yeah, then mail in two dollars to the diabetes people. But, but the difference is when you buy a two liter, the assumption is you're not going to drink that in one sitting. I do. <laughs> the biggest. But, but when you buy this half gallon, it's a fountain drink. Your only option is to drink it in one sitting, or else the ice will melt. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's true though. It's like when you go to like 7-Eleven and they have like the mega super big gulp, you know, I mean, the, the full intent is for that to be drinking in one long sitting. Yes, yeah. correct. In your point? Well, I, I think it's a little counterintuitive to suggest that people buy this product and consume it the way it's meant to be consumed, and then money will be donated to cure the disease that you'll inevitably get if you keep drinking them <laughs> as they're intended to be drank. No, it's fine if it. Listen, if this if this were to go well and a bunch of money would come in, if you get diabetes, you're going to be cured. So that's I don't understand what the big deal is. All of this money is going to be raised, so there's a cure by the time you get it. It's brilliant. It's like a cycle. The diabetes uh, industry is creating new customers. Yes, it's great business. They're model. growing the industry. They're creating a larger customer base. Yeah, it, and and a funding base. Just come on, think through it, guys. It's, it's true. It's, yeah, it's it's true. Maybe Get this is it. more brilliant marketing than I had assumed. It's a genius genius growth strategy. Get out there and drink. <laughs> yeah, go out and buy your <laughs> mega jug yeah. from KFC yeah. and throw down on a double town while you're at it yeah. too. Oh, they still do those? I, I I assume. What do you think about the new uh, breakfast sandwich? Is it Dunkin' Donuts that does it where it's like a waffle 
with an egg inside and a waffle. So instead of being like a bagel or something like that, it's now a, a full waffle. It's kind of like the breakfast double down. That sounds better than the McGriddle where they had the pancake, but they put those little beads of the really gross. syrup in it. See, Ugh. here's the thing. I, I have indulged in the McGriddle several, on several occasions. <laughs> and, and, and every time I do it, I'm shocked at how delicious the combination of maple mm. syrup and, and McDonald's. These people know what goes. they're doing. Is that what you're saying, Jesse? They know what they're doing? The, the 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 McDonald's chef who crafted the McGriddle is is probably the same man that did the McRib, and he's a genius. Can you imagine? Hold on, he's an artist. By the way, That's disgusting. Why do people eat McRibs? But you bring this up. They're shaped like they have bones. It's horrible. In them. You you bring up a great point. <laughs> there are there are men and women in white chef tall white chef hats <laughs> that work in at headquarters for McDonald's, and and they walk around with pride that they're the ones that created the original McRib. Um, you know, the McGriddle. I mean, they, they walk around, they go home and tell their kids, guess what I did today? No. So I you, invented the McRib. I mean, I, the, there's I only it, a handful of items. I think it's bigger than that. I think that they are plants from the Diabetes Society and <laughs> <laughs> that they are intentionally mm-hmm. making food mm-hmm. to grow the customer base of the Diabetes Foundation. Oh. Well, a good oh, theory. Yeah, here's j- just one brief comment about the McRib, if I may. <laughs> Oh, okay, the, the McRib, I think, is actually meant, is shaped in a way, even though there's no bones in it, <laughs> to, to, to make people think that it's naturally like a rib, like mm-hmm. a ribeye. Wait, you know? I always thought there was a rib. I've never had it. It does look like it's shaped like it has no. ribs. It doesn't have ribs no, in it? it, it it's is pure a, meat. It is a rib-esque <laughs> uh, substance a riblet? That, that, a riblet is, substance? that is put into a mold <laughs> and compressed... Like to take on the shape of ribs, but it but, is. But it's, 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 it's as like, if it's like, like the people that made meat. those chicken nuggets that were shaped like stars at Hardee's and Carl's Jr. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or made Burger those King. with the assumption that people actually thought that chickens died in a way that <laughs> you could just drop them in a deep fryer and stars would come out. I, I, that's true. I think that's it, what the McRib is like. Yeah, well, I, I, that really concerns me. Like when I when I eat like uh, chicken tenders or chicken nuggets, I want it to have the illusion of a natural shape. And then I go to Burger King and order them, you know, a little for, and they they look like crowns. Mm-hmm. I don't even like, think you can get normal ones anymore. Yeah, you can't at Burger King, and so it's like I don't I don't want to be reminded that this is actually chicken paste that you molded into this shape. But that's what the McRib is. At least the McRib tried to make a natural shape out of it. With yeah. <laughs> it did, but but it came off as shockingly unnatural. Like so, so am I assuming here that you've somehow meatified the bones that I'm now eating? <laughs> right, right. It's amazing. You guys laugh at me for being vegetarian. Makes complete sense. <laughs> it's true. I think Chad may be onto something with his vegetarianism. Hey, I'll be honest though. Those conversations make me want to go yeah. vegetarian. That, that commercial, if it hits me at a certain time of night. I, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll laugh and make fun of it right here, right now, but I'll be honest. There's a certain time of night, a commercial will come on and I'll, I'll be Jones or something like that. Give like what? A, the McRib? Give the McGriddle, any of that stuff where I'm like, I know that's terrible for me and I'm going to die, but man, I'd love one of those right now. <laughs> okay. I have a, a slice on not eating meat off ribs. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so my slice is about your attire when you are flying in the air. Um, mm. You know, like a wingsuit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, most people want to be comfy. Uh, Oh, so you're not talking about the the people who jump off of buildings and they have like jumpsuits and stuff on. You're talking about people in airplanes. In an actual airplane. You said what you wear when you fly. I mean, those people are flying. You're picturing real life Batman. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, yeah, they have those <laughs> jumpsuits. Have you seen? Yeah, they're, there's like they're flying awesome. squirrel. The flying squirrel. Look up wingsuit video. They work real well. Look at everybody. Down. Just go out and get yourself one and <laughs> jump off a building. Speaking of which, there's a pivotal scene apparently in Transformers where there's these where the characters oh, right. jump off that. the Sears Tower in these wingsuits and they fly down into downtown Chicago and get away. And they did it. They really did it. It's no CG. Like like I saw. uh, First time ever. Yeah. 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 They jumped off in the in the city. But see, that's going to be confusing because then I'm going to think the big robot people are real too. Like, just don't mix (laughs) my reality and fantasy. Transformers (laughs) Three is a documentary. Yes. Don't confuse me. Um, So most people, you know, want to wear be comfy or they're in a business suit. You know, got somewhere to go. Um, well, apparently, according to U.S. Airways spokesperson, um, they do not have an actual dress code. Right. Okay. Um, if you are showing a private part, then you could, you know, be asked to put it well, away or something. I think that's just law. Sure. <laughs> Makes sense, right? You could be asked. mandated by the United States government. <laughs> right. Um, so, apparently, a elderly gentleman, kind of looks like a grandfather. I have a photo here. <laughs> Um, was flying from Fort Lauderdale, Florida to Phoenix, Arizona, and he was wearing women's underwear. Like, As you do. I mean... Yeah. I mean... You want to be comfortable when you fly. Yeah. <laughs> he's got... He kind of looks like a Vikings cheerleader slash hooker. No. Look. Oh. Oh, the man's dressed the man like is. that. Yeah. The man is. His, it's Amanda. So he, he's a <laughs> he's a cross dresser wearing he a, is. a a cheerleading outfit basically right, to go on his high flight. Stockings. He has a nice cover up on the shoulders Heels. though. That's true. <laughs> well, you don't want to get chilly. No, you little choker. And I like how he has a, a briefcase, rolling briefcase, right next to him as his yeah. carry. And so they wouldn't let him on. Very business. No, they they people complained beforehand, um, but they allowed him to to fly, no problem. Because um, you can cross dress, you just can't show anything. Sure, and apparently that. I mean, that seems to be shown enough, but apparently that's okay. But then a couple days later, um, there was a football player flying in San Francisco, and he actually ended up getting arrested because he was wearing um, baggy clothes. And his here it says that part of his private parts were exposed, but then it just says that his his underwear was showing, like his pants were really, really baggy. Right. Um, I think they were really low. Too. Yeah, yeah. Twitter, Twitter was all ablaze about this was a couple it? days ago. I didn't but see he it. was what arrested, I think, for disorderly conduct and and I think ultimately trespassing because they repeatedly asked him to like pull his pants up or right. he's going to have to leave, and he refused to do either and made a big scene. I well, think. Well, it was right. it was uh, the the video on the plane that somebody shot uh, is is somewhat misleading because he's he's respectful. He's he's not fighting or whatever. And they just like he's wearing a suit. To, they seem confusing. to single him out, and, and <laughs> he's you're like women's underwear. Yeah. And, and you're like, how? Why are they making him leave the plane? Apparently, what happened is before he got on the plane, uh-huh. they said no. And so just the fact that he entered the plane, he therefore trespassed and had to be taken off. So it wasn't his maybe what he did on the plane, which so is all that people have seen. Because his pants were too saggy. But, but it does seem like a double standard. It does seem right. like a double if standard. Dress, if you can be an elderly man and dress in a tiny women's. Uh, uh, cheerleading outfit. Hey, I'm not. I'm not defending it at all. I mean, I think it's a completely, you know, right. uh, racist uh, yeah. thing that happened, and and the outrage is justified. But yeah, I don't. It's just interesting. How can they get away with that? Yeah, and yeah. they. I mean, their spokesperson said we do not have a dress code policy, so it just happened to be the people at that that crew, that crew yeah. didn't want him to have his pants baggy like that. Yeah. 
And, and is the airline really at a place where they need to start turning down customers? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like things are better. For, first, it, it's like you know a baggage. It costs more to fly a tiny piece of luggage than it did to use to buy a plane ticket. You know, mm-hmm. and now they're kicking people off because because their belt's not tight enough. Come on here. Come on here. Come on. Excuse me while I get on my soapbox. I say incredulous Jesse. I know. Sounds I love old. It. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, Andy Rooney right now. Andy <laughs> <laughs> Rooney. <laughs> You're listening to Colts. The song is Go Outside. Not my favorite. If a Colt tells you to go outside, don't go outside. That's all I'm just saying. (laughs) That song's playing right now on Relevant FM. Kyle Eidelman is a pastor and author who aches to be a completely committed follower of Christ and not just a fan. His new book is called Not a Fan, and he actually wrote a piece in the July issue of Relevant Magazine and... Uh, has uh, a piece in an upcoming issue of our ministry magazine called New. Uh, Josh Loveless recently spoke to Kyle, and here is part of that interview. Uh, Kyle, in your book, you describe a moment of clarity that you had as a pastor in the days leading up to an Easter service. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what happened there? Uh, yeah, you know, the background on it is that uh, I, I went to plan a church when I was pretty young and just didn't have much idea of what I should be doing. And so, you know, in my mind, the simple equation was if people come, then the church will work. You know, that's how I, I uh, was thinking success would play out. And so I, I ended up, you know, reading some business books and marketing approaches and trying to find the best way to get people to come. Uh, but, but really, without knowing it, adopted a... Uh, a, a paradigm where I was trying to make the gospel as attractive as possible and then um, continued down that path for quite a while and then I, I had this kind of this moment that changed everything on an Easter week it was like Thursday before Easter weekend and uh, I didn't know what I was going to talk about it, hoping to get a little inspiration so I go into the sanctuary and just kind of sit there uh, wondering okay what what should I say to get people to come back and uh, I opened up a Bible and I was just looking at some of the different places where where Jesus taught when he had the, the big crowds and large crowds and I started to jot down the references and and as I looked at it closely I just realized that most of the time when he had the big crowds where it seemed that he was at the kind of height of his popularity in ministry, he, he would say something that um, caused a large amount of the crowd to, to go home. And I uh, just became really convicted of the fact that, you know, without making a conscious decision to do so, and I think having the right intentions, I had uh, been more concerned about building a crowd and less concerned about the commitment level of the people who were coming. And as I said in the the sanctuary, what struck me is that it could become like a stadium, you know, a a stadium full of fans who who cheer for Jesus but are are not necessarily following him. So, you know, that Easter weekend, that's sort of how I began my message is, 
is by just kind of telling that story and saying, here's, here's where God has convicted me and, and here's what I want to do differently. Obviously, uh, even as you began that story and you're talking about, you know, wanting to create an attractive atmosphere as a church community, that's a that's a pretty normal thing for churches these days to want to do. Um, and we're at that place in church history where there's a lot of people that are kind of questioning a lot of the ways that, you know, that they do church and have approached it specifically related to how attractive do you make church? How easy and comfortable do you make church? Has the church done a sort of bait and switch with people? Uh, selling the Jesus life that's easy and comfortable? Or, or do you think people have just chosen on their own, you know, the things they want to apply that's easy for them? Well, I think it's both because of the culture that we live in. You know, the, um, the to compare the, the call to follow Christ of, you know, Luke nine twenty three, where Jesus says, whoever wants to come after me must deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. That's a, that's in direct conflict, not just with uh, our our people, but but it's also just with our culture as a whole. You know, I, I think the culture that we live we live in kind of it just seems like it. It almost seems intuitive that uh, of course you know that we were meant to be comfortable, and that's the best way to approach the the gospel. Um, the challenge is, you know, is that what you win them with is usually what you you know win them to. But I would say that you know one of the uh, most uh, surprising things to me about this message, about challenging people to follow Jesus completely, is how hungry uh, our folks were for that. I, I wasn't sure how they would respond, um, probably wasn't very optimistic about it, but what I discovered is they they really they really wanted it. They knew there was more than just, you know, raising their hand at the end of the sermon and repeating a prayer and you know, setting their ringtone to a worship song. I mean, they knew there was more than that. And so it seems to me that they, um, that they were very much ready to be, to be challenged with, okay, this is what it means to follow Christ, and here are the implications, and they may not always be comfortable. What do you think keeps the average follower of Jesus from making that full life, wholehearted commitment to follow Jesus? You know, I think we are afraid of what we're going to miss out on if we go all in. Uh, you, you see this in relationships, um, you know, romantic relationships. Gosh, you see it with marriages where a husband or a wife, they, they, don't, <laughs> they don't fully commit because they're afraid that by committing that they're going to they're going to miss out, they're going to lose. But of course, what you discover is that it's only by really committing, fully, uh, you know, fully engaging, that you discover the the joy of the relationship. So I think it is, for the most part, uh, that that we're afraid of what we're going to have to give up. And so, you know, what we've found is that fans they they want to follow Jesus, but they just they want to follow him close enough to get. The, the benefits without following him so closely that it requires pain or it requires sacrifice or it takes something from them. That was Kyle Eidelman. You can check out his new book, Not a Fan, at notafan.com.
You're listening to Gomez. The song is Options. It's playing right now on Relevant.fm. Tune in. Josh Garrels is a singer-songwriter from Portland. Not originally from Portland. He's there now, though. Uh, he has released five studio albums and just released his sixth called Love and War and the Sea in Between a couple of weeks ago. It's available as a free download through his website and through noisetrade.com. Um, Josh is, uh, has been on the podcast before we've, we featured the concert he did in our studio, uh, last fall. Um, we're, we're fans. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, here is Elise Gilligan's conversation with Josh Garrels. Higher than the Start to the west is the law started with the sea stronger than the wildest heart. Why did you make this decision to have your new album available for free download? I was down on my last several weeks of recording and um, I haven't really had a singing voice for months. For some reason I've just been like battling sickness all winter long and um, expecting my voice to come back you know so I'd come to the point where like I was nearing the end of the project and I built the entire album around scratch vocals and I still didn't have a voice and so it was sort of like you know one of those crisis moments in the process where it's like um, I don't know what I'm going to do because I know what my voice is supposed to do and you don't want to just record an album that um that you just have regrets because you know your main instrument wasn't working right or something you know and so I was at the end, end of one day kind of asking God, you know, what's what's happening and can you please heal me? And uh, I, I prayed really what in hindsight would be a cliche prayer in the sense that I don't know that I really meant it. <laughs> but I was like praying and I, I was like, and Lord, I just, I just pray that you'd, you'd have the glory with this album, you know, because a motivator, you know, as a believer making an album is somehow that this thing will like like glorify this God that you're following you know so I had to sit there silent for like 20 minutes and um, at the end of it I was like alright man alright it's yours you know you can have it and uh, and I knew that meant like all all earnings that we had to like give this thing away for free and, and, a, and a part of that being that this is the first album that I kind of I put the invitation out there to my fan base to help um support the album, invest in the album. And I think the response from that over like the nine months of its creation was awesome. I mean, this thing basically funded by listeners. So in that sense too, it really wasn't my album in that it was fully funded by listeners. And it's the first album we haven't had to go in debt on. So in that sense, it made sense also that, okay, if there was ever time to give away an album, it's right now, because we don't have a big hole that we have to fill in. We can really just like let this thing fly. And so once me and my wife made that decision, it was really liberating and really fun because we knew, oh man, like this is sort of like a faith step we could take and this thing might go places that it wouldn't have otherwise because, I mean, who's going to pass up a free download? You know, if it, if it sucks, I'll just delete it, but more people will download it this way, you know, and at least give the music a chance. Every story will be written so. So 
Um, now you have a very diverse sound, a very expansive, and anyone who's familiar with music, your music catalog, like it's just so clear that you're influenced by so many different musical styles. And with this project, you had basically a whole parade of musicians who uh, worked with you on this and recording. Um, was there anything new that you attempted with this record that maybe you haven't with the others? Yeah, especially like the orchestration. I've never had like real strings and people composing to my songs. So this group in Brooklyn, Mason Jar Music, but I had done a video with some months ago last summer. Um, they took on three of the songs. I just sent them my vocal and my guitar, and they basically built composed, built, recorded like, symphonies around those songs. In the past, I've done like, I'll like sample symphonies. I'll sample a lot of stuff that grew making hip hop. So like cutting and pasting and augmenting and layering and chopping and creating these like sonic worlds out of little audio snippets that I just sit my room and hang out with. It's really fun this time to like send this stuff out and have people really interpret the song for what the song is. It was a really fun process. Now, the last time we saw you, you were actually out here playing for us at an event to create awareness for, for curing malaria. Um, how do you see social justice continuing to play a role in your personal life and also in your music? Well, as we all know in this country, especially but worldwide, how the arts, not just music, but the arts, they just bear huge weight on the direction of culture and people's interests and where people will decide to give their time or their money, whether it's on frivolous, sort of vain, empty things or whether it's on meaningful things. So in my in my little way, with the small following I may have, to be able to direct people's eyes to really noteworthy, awesome causes and work that's being done, if there can be those types of collaborations, there can be a bridge between an organization that's going to save thousands of kids' lives and a bunch of people who would really be stoked to help out, but don't even know that that organization exists. Like, if music can be a catalyst between those two things, a bridge, that's awesome. But then there's the other part, which is actual subject matter of, of your music and choosing to to speak about things that either may be uncomfortable or may give a voice to those who don't have a voice or clarify things that need clarifying. Um, the arts can also be an awesome tool for that. Everything from, like, good comedy can do that. Good, good humor can totally reveal a truth when it gets you laughing at it. You know, all of a sudden you see, you see something with clear eyes. And so everything from humor to music to the visual arts can have a way of I don't know, opening people's eyes to what's right in front of them, you know? Um, so that's just the creative process and choosing to dwell on things that might be redemptive as opposed to selfish would be the flip side of that. I aspire to do that. I don't know that I, like, I always hit that or that's the goal with every song. That would be an aspiration of mine to use music in that way too, the actual content to help um, 
ship people's eyes or minds. So cheer up my That was Josh Garrels. You can check out his new album, Love and War and the Sea in Between, for free at joshgarrels.com. You're listening to Need to Breathe. The song is Slumber. You do need to breathe while you slumber. There we go. It's true. <laughs> okay, it's playing right now on Relevant FM. It's time for your feedback. Uh, last week, we um, Maya made fun of me that I stalk Orlando Magic players mm-hmm. in Target and restaurants. And um, <laughs> we uh, wanted to hear your stories of um, stalking celebrities. <laughs> and, uh, Ooh, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I'm not alone, Maya. Oh, <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, so you went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and told us your stories right there. And we also have a caller as well. So uh, here's uh, some of our favorite feedback. Uh, Chad Michael Snavely wrote in. Yeah. And he said, <laughs> the, w- the way I got a job here is I stalked Cameron Strang out front of his office. I called Ryan Anderson and I was like, hey, can you tell me where Cameron lives? <laughs> you guys used to play hoops together back then, right? <laughs> you, you used to do his laundry and iron his clothes, right? Dude, I, I, there are so many times this week that I've thought about your theory about his ironing, dude. It was really funny. And if we're, and every time you're like, I, think, I know he's right. It's right. I think it's right. I think you're dead on. <laughs> All right. So, so Michael Murphy said that uh, when he was at the very young age of 17, this was eight years ago, him and uh, a, a bunch of youth group kids went to go see Jeff Deo who is a worship leader or a Christian musician. He was performing at a church. He's the former lead singer of Sonic Flood. And apparently they had a little autograph session after. And when, when it came Michael's turn to, to meet Mr. Deo and get his autograph, he just froze up and didn't know what to say and said, uh, you were better in Sonic Flood. <gasps> and his response is uh thanks i guess (laughs) oh my gosh that's horrible and uh you know he looked over at his his guitar player who i don't think was a member of sonic flood um and gives him a look as if you know can you believe that this guy just said that (laughs) so 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 moral of the story if you're in an autograph line you've got the whole time to prepare what you're going to say to the individual you're getting the autograph from from, right right you know don't don't just shoot from the hip there right you know can't shoot from the hip all right so john b says uh my worst story involves toby mack everything comes back to dc talk oh my gosh this story is unbelievable he says in 1994 i'm a junior at baylor i'm a bit cocky well a lot of things uh anyway dc talks touring off of free at last they're free their first halfway decent album, and some of us go to a concert on campus. During the show, they're announcing that people in their fan club can go to the merch table and get some secret info, top secret info, about where the guys will be after the show to mix with their fan club. He says, I overhear a couple of people talking about where that secret meeting is going to be, and I decide to go and see if I can
and crash it. <laughs> it's just around the corner and they're basically bouncers outside the little chapel. I love Christian bouncers. Uh, checking people as they go to make sure they have the fan club lanyards around their neck. I don't have one, so I attach myself to a group of random people that are wearing them, fold my arms around my chest as if covering a lanyard and shuffle past the guards into the room. Christian security guards are the worst. Sure enough, <laughs> there they are. They, they break so many legs. They do. It's ridiculous. I know. Uh, he says, so there they are, Toby, Mike, and Kevin. I get in the little line uh, to meet Toby, and this is the part I'm still deeply ashamed of. I get up to him, and he looks really, really tired. I look him in the eye and very arrogantly say, hey, I used to have no respect for you or your music whatsoever. <gasps> he seems a bit surprised. I continue, but now I think that you're doing a really good job reaching the youth. Can I pray for you? Oh, He mutters, sure, in a way that implies, sure, only if you have to, jerk face. I say some condescending prayer over him while he stares at the other fans in line. I say amen and take off for fear that the bouncers catch me. Not my proudest moment. Unbelievable. Man, that, you know what? Wow. Okay, I, I have been known, I've been known to make fun of Toby Mac from time to time. Hearing a story like that just kind of puts it all in perspective. It makes me the, sad. The guy's gone through a lot. I know. A lot. I used to have no respect for you or your music, but now I think you're doing a good job reaching the youth. Can I pray for can you? Can I pray for you? Which is the most condescending yeah. thing a Christian can do. <laughs> you've had beef with two out of three of the, the talkers. I have not had beef. Okay, you've had pork. <laughs> I had a McRib. We should call it something other. I have no problem not, with them. No, 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 no problem with no, them. No, let's make that. In good. fact, if they're listening, we'd really like you to reun- reunite. Reunite, yeah, to reun <laughs> the reun tour. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you just named it. I did. The uh, it's real. The, we've we we've conjectured that we could probably get Toby and Kevin. Yeah. We think that Michael wouldn't have any interest. It'd be hard. But now that Peter Furler is here in Orlando. We might be able to pull him into the game and get him back with the newsboys and kind of move so that, Michael out. That's what we do is we say, Michael, come do this. Peter will step back in. Right. So you won't be leaving the newsboys high and dry. Right. We got that covered. You do DC Talk. Mm-hmm. But what tour. you're talking about is a high stakes Christian music chess match. Or you just move <laughs> Peter into the DC Talk because Michael already jumped <gasps> oh, into newsboys. Come on, guys. Oh. Add the accent from down under. But, but Michael played an important role in diversity. Yeah. No, no, he, this guy's from another country. So it'd be a Peter different Furler. kind of diversity. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a different kind of diversity. It's a global context. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's more, We're more than just colored people. So the anymore. new DC yeah. talk is Toby Mack, Kevin Max, and Peter Furler. Yeah. Right. To almost like thumb their nose at Michael taking over Peter's spot. Unless he wants to come back, and then uh, Furler will be dropped immediately. <laughs> And DC Talk sings like Shine and Not Ashamed and Old because well, that's it, what the newsboys are doing now is they're singing old DC Talk songs. Right. Are right. they really? Yeah. Like Jesus Free. See, why do and, they call them the newsboys? That we've had this conversation. It's just, there's not one original member. It's just the Michael Tate band now. Tate. Yeah. It, Tate. It, well, what's the difference between this and, and, and a uh, is it just the Michael Tate band now? Or do they still go by the newsboys? No, they still, go by the newsboys. I think there's only one well, original member. they're actually a newsboys cover band if there's not one original member. I th- thought the newsboys still had one guy. I think they do. I think you're mistaken, Jesse. I don't, wa- I don't want to factually proclaim that there's no original members. There is an original you, member. You, I just pulled it up. It, it's the guy on the right. <laughs> is he original or was he close to original? No, he's a, I think he's original. I think anybody who is in the band under Peter Furler... Is is can carry the flame. Yeah. So uh, the names are you know Duncan Phillips. That's Duncan his name. Phillips. Yeah, he's an original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Keyboard player. Jesse, you are just wrong. I'm not saying. Okay, I'm not saying they. I, 
we just need to determine they were original, like founding members. Anytime you talk on the podcast, Jesse, it's like you're the onion version of the relevant <laughs> podcast. We can't trust anything that's I sensationalized. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Here we go. Newsboys Wikipedia. Here, here, which always is factual. It's, it's true. Yeah, I, which I'm editing as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in the 1980s, the band was formed in Mooloolaba, Queensland, I knew in it. Australia. I knew it. In 1985, by two young men, Peter Furler and his schoolmate George Perdikis. Two other teens were added soon after: Peter Furler's best friend John James and guitarist Sean Taylor. So John James is still in it, right? No, no, no. he was the first lead singer. He left, and then Peter Furler moved from drums to frontman. The band's original name was The News, but once in the U.S., they changed it to The News Boys to avoid conflict with the U.S.-based band Huey Lewis and The News. Um, the The band came to the U.S. in late 1987 after getting signed with Refuge Communications and released Read All About It in 1988 in the U.S. So, so, so none of the founding members are still in the group. Cameron, look under the 90s. In 1994, they added Jody Davis and Duncan Phillips. Yeah. Uh, yep. So it wasn't until 94. So Jesse is completely correct. Wow. Bam! Truth bomb again. <laughs> Dropping all over this podcast. Band. By nine, I mean, nine years later after they formed is when those two guys so came So somebody on. owns it. This is interesting. Jody Davis, 92 to 2003, and then he left, and then he came back in 2009 till now. He's lead guitar and backing vocals. Jeff Frankenstein. This is his, so this is his second stint in the band. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jeff Frankenstein, 94 to present, so I was totally wrong. So when Michael Tate joined, he went back to the archives and got Jody Davis to come back with him. For those, hold on, for those that are wondering where we're getting all this information, Cameron has in his hands, he has the, the Christian artist... Um, version of the baseball cards, and he is going through their pictures. He, has, he just he pulled out Tough this collector. Stuff. Yeah, he pulled out this collector's box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of that little and plastic. Case pulled it out of the plastic case. Yeah, yeah. And he had Michael Tate's picture, like singing <laughs> DC Talk, but it's like the reverse, so it's like the error card. But he turned it over and has all this information. Uh, with him, uh, I have it in, the a, in a plastic sleeve. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, right there with John Frankenstein's rookie card. That, that's yeah. our, that's Jeff, our retirement plan Jeff right there. With the gold. Okay, <laughs> like, when seriously? I sell these, seriously, make a lot of we yep. need to make those. We need to make those playing cards. <laughs> Come on, that would be totally. But awesome. we could not enjoy them ironically. No, no, no. This is a legitimate. No, I would enjoy them for real. Enjoyment, huh? Yeah, it's and just we, enjoyment. We can get all the stats off of Wikipedia. Yeah, that's and they have stats. Huh. Oh, so yeah. They I, absolutely have stats. This should be side projects. Like rare cards are like side project cards. You know? So the, the, the hard part would be we can get the information of all these bands that we need from Wikipedia, but the hard part would be actually acquiring individual photos of every band member to make the cards. I think they're out there. Well, yeah, you they're out there. But, but I mean, you I, know, the obscure bassist from. You know, Skillet from 1999. Right? Yeah. Is he? Does he have his black and white <laughs> that glossy one online? road tour with Skillet yeah. in '99? He's yeah. probably got a LinkedIn account by now. He's yeah. probably selling He's insurance. Selling insurance. Yeah. I mean, you, you can find Phillips and Craig, but Dean is really, really <laughs> obscure. He's in my. He's gone off the grid. Yeah. 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 You can no find... one's seen Dean in two decades. <laughs> what gets confusing is what to do with like guys like Ray Bolts Ooh. and uh, Jennifer Knapp, and well, they like... just got traded to the other team. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Sorry. I don't know what to do with that. I'm just saying that's... So well, any, we could, anyway, I, I think there should be a. I mean, I don't want to talk about business on you know while we're doing the podcast. Yeah, we don't want to give away our but, secrets. But, but man, this would be a great <laughs> subscriber. 
initiative. Oh man, I'm just saying. <laughs> you get a pack of tra- a pack of the trading cards I'm with every saying. subscription. Yeah, put some gum in it. Oh, oh, oh! This is uh, this is golden. This is better than a bobblehead. Te- you get testaments with it. Oh yeah, you get a testament in in your pack. I like it. Well, you know. So speaking of uh, you know these incredible ideas about Christian music and old Christian celebrities, one of you guys wrote in and 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 have has a story that kind of ties in with both of these things. That meeting their celebrity was an old Christian music star. So we're we're gonna call our listener Dustin Donner right now. Hello, Dustin. Hi. Hey, this is Cameron from the Relevant Podcast. So, you know, we're, we're in our feedback segment right now, and we were just reading people's stories about uh, their celebrity encounters, their awkward celebrity encounters. Uh, we were told you have a story of meeting Michael Card. Is that right? Uh, yes. I, uh, I worked with his son, went to school with his son, and uh, thought Michael Card could uh, help me out socially, and he tried. <laughs> uh, maybe a, a little too well, so... Wait, what happened? Well, uh, here's the thing. I have this friend named Abigail. She's the biggest fan in the world of Michael Card, right? And I was like, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm her friend. I just want to wish her a happy birthday. You know, nothing else. Let's, let's get that clear from the get-go. I was just trying to wish her a happy birthday. I'm friends with, the, with uh, Michael's son, so I was like, hey, can you uh, uh, get your dad to call this girl uh, for me, wish her a happy birthday? You know, it would, it would blow her mind. She'd be so excited, you know. Nothing can go wrong. So he's like, sure. <laughs> so uh, I give the, her phone number to the son. He calls Michael, uh, his dad. And I'm standing next to the son, and he's kind of relaying the conversation back to me uh, as it's going on. And Michael's like, sure, son, I'll do anything for love. And uh, that should have been my first indication that something was going to go terribly wrong. So he calls the girl. She thought it was me, like, imitating Michael Card. And <laughs> like, oh, man, this kid's a jerk. <laughs> she knows I'm a big Michael Card fan. How could he do this? So eventually she gets up the nerve to call him back. And uh, they talk and they sing, and, or he sing, sings to her. They <laughs> sing together. <laughs> <laughs> they sing in conversation with each other. High school musical, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, at some point during the conversation, Michael Card is like, "So, Dustin must be a pretty cool guy, right? Real trustworthy and stuff. How long have you guys been dating?" And all sorts oh. of questions like this. And she's like, "Like a dad." Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> What's going on? And. Uh, and so the conversation ends. Michael calls his son back. Uh, the son is like, no, no, no. I said they were just friends. They're not dating. They're not dating, Dad. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then just then my phone goes off and I get a Facebook message from the girl saying, we need to talk. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And uh, everything worked out. And, uh, and the end of the story is she's now your wife. Right. <laughs> How many kids do you have? Uh, currently, I am single. So, um, okay. <laughs> okay. We need and, to give uh, Michael Card a call. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks to Michael Card. And uh, anyways, uh, her birthday is today, actually. So <laughs> you want us to call her? Pretty weird. So happy birthday, Abigail. You, you know, a lot of props to Michael Card. He, he went above and beyond. Yeah, he really did. Matchmaker. All I wanted him to do was say happy birthday to her. Uh huh. He took the initiative and 
<laughs> did a little bit more. <laughs> when, you got, when he's got a feeling like he had a feeling, you just got to go with it. You know? Well, cool. Well, thanks for uh, calling in. Thanks for the feedback. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. Talk to you later. See you. See you. Bye. Bye. Well, uh, that'll do it for last week's feedback. If you want to check out the rest of the stories, which are all awkward. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they're good. You can go over to last week's uh, podcast episode page. Uh, so now it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, so we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about Christian music celebrities. And I bet you all thought that we were going to make the question of the week about that. Yep. We almost did. Almost. But then we remembered something else that we talked about. And I feel this is an untapped category that we need to delve deeper into and that's meat shapes <laughs> we need your help uh we, we know of certain meat shapes we have the mcrib we have the crown chicken finger things mm-hmm. we have they have chicken fries too over there curl, yeah the chicken fries so we have meat that has been made into unnatural shapes and americans consume them mm-hmm. what's the next big meat shape What's the wow. next big thing that we don't have yet? And we need people to keep this appropriate. In, of course. In I, 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 would, I would do Ch- chicken nuggets that are shaped like angry birds. Ooh. <laughs> and, and, and when you get it, it comes with a little slingshot and you shoot it in a little tower of french fries. And then you just eat the mess out. Why don't you own your own fast food chain? <laughs> you have <Jesse>. obviously <laughs> know, thought like about these this. These ideas, they just, they just, you know, I'm full of them. This I is the food revolution that we need, something. Jamie Oliver. This is good. <laughs> So chicken nuggets that shaped like angry, angry birds. I really like that. That's good. Yeah. So with a little slingshot. <laughs> with the li- and then you slingshot them through the fries into the sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you just you just mix the whole mess after and eat it. That's good. Uh, there's there's an infinite infinite directions this could go. So we want to know from you what is the next big meat shape to take America by storm. Go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and post your answers there. We will read our favorites next week. If you want to call in and describe your meat shape to us, <laughs> email us at wow. podcast wow. at relevantmagazine.com and we will uh, and tell us your Skype name. This and we podcast will just you. went a whole new direction. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is a roller coaster. We've been all over the place today. Uh, many thanks to Josh Garrels for, com- or for talking to us. His new album is uh, Love and War and the Sea in Between. It's just released a couple weeks ago and is offered for as a free download through his website and noise trade. Check it out, joshgarrels.com. Thanks uh, to Kyle Eidelman for talking to us. His new book, Not a Fan, is available everywhere, and you can check out more at notafan.com. On that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Josh Luan Loveless. I'm Jesse Carey. That's Chad Michael Snavely. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. You know, I mean, what's wrong with liking Phil Collins? You tell me.